Hello, 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 everyone. We are back with another episode of Red, White, and Brown for you this happy Saturday from News. Mira, Michael, and Shreya on Radio Zen. And this week, we've actually only got two movies for you guys, but they're pretty hot, and we're going to get right into the details. So we're going to give you Dobara and Duranga this week. And before I tell you almost anything about it, I want to know, Michael from our team went to Key West, y'all, and he managed to come back unscathed, untouched, and nothing happened to this man. However, we can't say that for the rest of our LivePlex team because a lot of us are sick right now. Meaning, we got to know the tea. What did you do, Michael? What did you do in Key West that kept you so safe? All the, everyone wants to know. I went fishing. So I was uh, on a boat with not around other people. So was definitely having a great time out in the Florida Keys catching some yellowtail snapper fish. In fact, actually uh, supplied my lunch and dinner that day. So happy to say my Missouri man roots came out on the boat. Missouri man roots came out on the boat. I want someone to hashtag that in some comments later. <laughs> and with that, we're going to transition right into our first review. We are going to give you Dobara. Michael, Mira, your thoughts, 3000 rooftop review. What was it about? What did you like? What didn't you like? Well, um, I loved Adobara. I have to say that 30,000 is just that. It's a story of, um, it, it uses the concept of time travel. Um, the story is about, and you know, you got to watch it with really intensely. You can be watching this movie with doing something else. So uh, first off, if you want to watch Dubara, sit down, get your get your stuff together. Do not move for the two uh, two plus hours of the movie because this movie is going to grip you. It's actually a remake of the Spanish movie Mirage, it's- which is great because you know a lot of us haven't probably seen this original Spanish film, and so and for those of you that may not know what the original was based off of, Mirage is actually based off of a young boy named Nico. This takes place about 25 years ago in the film. And he was murdered during a 72-hour storm after witnessing a man kill a woman. And Nico's, you know, tragic and untimely death is haunted by his friends and loved ones for years. So in the modern day, we have uh, Dr. Vera Roy. He finds a way to communicate with the past version of Nico using an old VHS um, and ultimately tries to save the boy's life. But in Dobra, it is set in Pune. I want to make sure I'm pronouncing all of this right. Uh, and complies with the original storyline, but also stands out like in style and script. And obviously, too, many changes uh, with it taking place in India. So, M, you said that this one was very intriguing. You got to sit down and really pay attention. Um, it's, it's also great to see that they're able to utilize this kind of time travel very well. We've had some bad interactions with that in the past, but please tell us, you know, kind of, you know, how this one was able to really pull off a good adaptation of the original versus what we all love and hate, which are terrible adaptations. So um, I absolutely loved this adaptation because I'll tell you, uh, the director um, is a guy called Anurag Kashyap, and he's a very accomplished director. And he brings a lot of intelligence to his plots. What I also read and heard was that the rights to the script were actually acquired by Anurag Kashyap when the movie was getting made, not after it was released. But when the movie was getting made, when the script was finalized for the original. So you can imagine that the guy waited for so long and then, you know, created the right assets to 
uh, to, uh, to do the adapt to do the Indian adaptation of Mirage. But really, the movie um, opens with a preteen boy called Anai. His uh, it's played by Ryan uh, uh, Savant, who's recording a video. And while recording a video, he hears a scuffle in the neighbor's house, and he steps out to investigate, but gets hit by a truck and dies. Twenty-five years later, a young couple, Antar and Rikas, played by Tapsi Panu and Rahul Bhatt, and their daughter Avanti moved into the same house. And Antara discovers, Tapsi Panu's character discovers the same old camera, watching Anai in the same setting. This time, he talks to her through a television set that is also in the room. So Antara warns, warns, warns him not to leave the house because she knows he'll get killed. But then she wakes up in the house that she doesn't recognize and she discovers the life uh, like the audience of a tense who, who done it really. She's no longer a nurse, but she's a neurosurgeon. Her, she doesn't have a nose ring, her forearm tattoo appears um, and, and she just can't find a daughter. And a lot of people around her tell her that her daughter just doesn't exist. So two timelines, 25 years apart, and one she's a nurse and the other she's a neurosurgeon. And then this, uh, you know, uh, butterfly effect of time and place. Oh my God, I absolutely love sci-fi. I absolutely love such, you know, crazy intelligent plots. So I, I, I just love it. I just love the movie. Uh, so, but, but you know, the good thing about this is it's a thriller. So we're coming right back at you with Red, White, and Brown by Live, Shreya, Mira, and Michael on Rickin' Around. And we still have a little more to tell you about Dobara. M, where did we stop? Well, I was going to tell you guys about how many thrillers intrigue us because they want to solve a crime. And over here, Anai does see someone dead, but that's not the hook of the movie. Um, the suspense uh, is the story itself, and that is kind of pretty crazy because you you see these two timelines and the same people in two different timelines with different uh, um, uh, different lives, and there's communication between the two timelines, right? So the second half, actually, of the movie is is crazy good because uh, the introduction of a cop happens, and that's played by Pavel Gulati, and he's sympathetic towards Antara. And, uh, and, and what also happens is she realizes her friend tells her there's a similar plot. The plot of her life is actually in a book called 212, which is a bestseller, which is only a bestseller a seller in that city. So uh, don't get pissed off if we tell you the rest of the story, but I'm going to stop here and ask uh, uh, ask Michael, Michael, what did you feel about the movie in terms of technicalities? You know, it's good to see a technical team really kind of pull off some of these suspenseful and thriller moments. I think a lot of times, especially from prior reviews we've done, we've definitely noticed that they're just not poorly executed, especially whenever you're in you know, the theater, or wherever you're watching, there's just weird sounds coming. I mean, you remember when we were um, watching Docket that there were just weird overlays of sounds going on. But, you know, this one worked. If, if what they were trying to achieve was, you know, kind of dragging the audience through the movie all the way until the end, building up some suspense and also a little bit of mystery and some thriller going on, I definitely think it worked. And as, you know, as far as that too, like if we, if we want to get into like the technical 
crew, you know, lighting, you know, positioning and whatnot. I thought it was all great. Um, and certainly yeah, what, made... where, where I think they could have really utilized the special effects better was mapping the background score to the, to the movie, which I didn't think they did a great job of. But you're right. A movie like this comes very rarely into Hindi cinema, and that is a big thing. But what I really thought, if you, if you had a breakdown of plot, the word can be seen as one movie. It's like three movies in one, literally. And that's the design of the script, because um, there are three separate possibilities happening all at the same time, and three complex um, timelines all happening, playing out at the same time. And and literally, and they they depict the 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 cause and effect of things. They also uh, uh, you know few things are around all these three timelines remain constant. And for example, the child in front of the TV, the murder in the neighborhood, a choice whether you know he leaves the house or stays still. Um, you can literally imagine that you know the director is playing mind games with you because it's like a video game where you you know, you're given these choices and based on the choices, the timelines play out differently. And of course, you know, you've, you've seen movies like Gwyneth Paltrow's Sliding Doors, you've seen Run, Lola Run that do the same things. Uh, you know, the time time cause, uh, cause and effect uh, of, of different timelines. Um, it's, uh, it's just, this movie is all about a child, a TV and a choice and the possibility of a different life. Couldn't agree more. And with that, I think we're giving a wrap to this review. Shreya, M, any final thoughts? Well, uh, Shreya, do you want to say something? I actually didn't get a chance to watch it, M. So the floor is all yours. Okay, I think I think the overreaching theme of the entire movie was childhood trauma. And I, you know, if you've been a recipient of childhood trauma, one moment changes lives. And I think the overarching theme was that beneath all the complexity of the screenplay and how well executed it was, Dabara um, is a what if film and, uh, and you know, it's deeper and it just cares about the story and the characters in a, in a very different realm. Um, it, it is, uh, it's, it's a story of escalating contentment, of, of happiness, but in a form of a thriller. It's also and story I, waiting and hoping and hoping and waiting and you know this this these entire timelines intertwine with each other. Um, so uh, so fundamentally, uh, the question that the movie answers is: Can we change the life we are destined to live? And I think for a film to you know really come home with something thought provoking like that, and also explore how you know as you said, childhood trauma and one event in the life can also you know kind of shape or change the ultimate course of that life as well. I think if you're able to really come to this movie and pull away with that theme, then this is doing its job very well. So I, I also uh, wanna I also wanna point out one very important, two very important things over here. Number one, the original Spanish Mirage is a little instructional because when the butterfly effect come, comes into being, the movie explains to its audience. This movie doesn't do it. It doesn't treat its audiences as, as dumb people does not it believes that the it, it actually engages the audience to find out more about these concepts if it does not go instructional on them and i think i think that was a very 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 important aspect of of this 
Perfect. You are listening to Red, White, and Brown by Sat Live with Tria, Mira, and Michael. I'm sure that's possibly like the funniest line I have given on this show. But if you guys know me, you know my one-liners will just keep coming at you, which means you, ju- you just need to keep tuning back in to hear more of them. And we just finished reviewing Dobara for all of you. And we're going to switch gears, give you a show this time on Z5, Duranga, which we actually personally think is like a near perfect thriller in Hindi because it's a Hindi version of the K-drama Flower of Evil. So all our K-fans, you stand up, make some noise in the comments. We're more than happy to deliver this content for you. And it looks like Gulshan Devaya and Drashti Dami did it for us actually this time in the new Z5 thriller. They're talking about like this uh, orthodox official adaptation of this award-winning Korean drama series, Flower of Evil, if you guys haven't watched it. And it's basically like a scene-by-scene adaptation of that original show. So Duranga leaves its audiences completely enthralled with the de rigueur performances by its two lead characters in this Indian localization. And the series is based on the story of a killer who is living under the guise of this like perfect family man. He's like a husband, he's a father, he cooks, he cleans, he sculpts at his workshops at home, you know, perfect man, of course. Our Renaissance man come back to life in 2022. And his wife is a police officer who is trying to track him down. Huh? Yeah, same. We had the same reaction. The two eventually try to hookwink each other in their own games. And it's like a cat and mouse chase. It's so wild because they're living this incredible, impeccable, perfect family life, not knowing that in their professional life, they're mortal enemies looking for each other, or at least like one is looking for the other while they're tra- where one is trying to escape. It's a pretty insane show. However, we did love it. So M, what did you love about it? Let us know. Okay, let me just start with the fact that uh, even though the synopsis says that he might be a killer, he might not be a psychopath killer all right and and the way this movie ends uh the series ends um it it creates a a leeway for season two and if you haven't watched flower of evil you will really not know what's going to happen in season two but season one it's about this metal craftsman he runs a workshop out of his home and he's married to this cop and uh, they have a little daughter. So he takes care of the daughter, he cooks and he cleans and takes care of the household where the wife goes out and she works. She's a cop. And now there have been murders and this copycat, these copycat murder murders are actually leading back to something that this guy was implicated with. And for, for however many years, more than a decade, he's been living with this woman as a perfect husband, but that's really not his real name. His real name is something else. And he has a backstory to it and a sister who's, a, who, who's also involved here. And then he's taken the name of somebody else who actually might be the psychopath killer. And that guy is Amit Saad, played by Amit Saad, and he is in coma. So he's in coma and, you know, his parents have become this guy's parents and they come and visit and they take care of the grandkid. So it's a really crazy story. But oh, my God, did I like it? I did. And we're going to finish reviewing Duranga for you guys because we didn't actually tell you who's the killer, who's the cop, what's happening in a domestic life. So let's get a little deeper into it and take it away. On the face of it, Summit, who's played by uh, the, this really lovable husband, he's he has an issue. He just doesn't have, um, he, he can't express. He doesn't have any emotional emotions. So he's, he literally listens to tutorials and how to smile, how to feel empathy. 
and he practices his smile for people around him, literally a guy who doesn't know how to smile and he's practicing smile. So he has issues, he has emotional trauma and issues, uh, but but on the face of it, he, he, he's the antithesis of what a serial, serial killer would be. Um, but uh, he does not rave or rant, he loves cooking and you know he loves his daughter and he takes care of her and loves her to you know infinity and he actually is a very loyal husband. But he's very careful around his wife as well because he tries to figure out what her case is, read the stuff she brings home. So he is always a few a few steps ahead of her on strategy or you know getting to know what's going on but then when somebody starts killing those copycat murders he realizes he needs to get to the copycat cat killer because somebody's impersonating him so that's how the entire first season uncovers uh literally um so um so it it's and then with the help of his school friend who actually recognizes him from school um they kind of get together and start figuring out what exactly happened, who was his dad's accomplice. But all of that does not unfold in season one at all. And that's where we're leaving y'all with the tea. You better not have left because we didn't. This is Red, White, and Brown with Daisy's Atlanta. And we're going to give you our final thoughts on Duranga. What are they? Well, you know, if you compare Duranga to Flower of Evil, Flower of Evil had 16 episodes, all episodes. Each episode was an hour each. But Duranga is nine episodes, season one of 30 minutes each. So like five hours of content. So there's a lot that is left out. There's a lot that needs to rework itself. Of course, you know, sometimes you feel that it's a frame-by-frame -frame adaptation, which is great because it maintains the pace. It maintains the localization. It maintains the intrigue. And in a thriller, if the thriller is not paced well enough, then you lose interest. But this series completely hooks you. And uh, Gulshan Dwaya is just phenomenal as Summit. He... he he etches out that entire character of a scarred man with amazing acuity. And he alternates between this hunted man and then the aggression of a hunter. You see his face expressions change. It is just amazing how he uses his face to just kind of move between emotions and between the characters that he's playing. So on the whole, a very watchable series, Drashti Dami, who's a big television star, makes a debut in a web series, and she's just great in all, all the scenes that she's in. Um, so between uh, Goshen Devay and Drashti Dami, they really carry the series pretty well. So worth a watch. I loved it. That's exactly what we love to hear. And if you guys want to read more from us, don't forget to head on over to daisies.live to read all of our latest and greatest about your favorite movies and series. If you haven't followed us on Instagram, be sure to do that at Daisy's Live Graham and on Twitter, Facebook, everything. Where else? We're at Daisy's Live. Now, with that being said, because we're so active on social media, I think some of y'all forget that we're not just a show. We don't just do reviews and we we do have a social media presence. So we got we get to see some of your fun memes and tweets and and your jokes. And I think the bunt of that other of, of that whole joke this week has been Des from Daisy's not sorry Daisy's I'm so dumb from never have I ever from never have I ever y'all and we have seen the mama's boy Guju memes that are coming out of it because everybody is saying the same thing they're like oh he's such a mama's boy he's such a mama's boy and it's so funny especially because like 
they're comparing him to this spe specific TikToker who is called, um, I want to say like six foot nine Guju or something. Like he's really popular on TikTok, but poor guy is getting compared to Dez. And they just keep saying like, when he breaks up with you because you know he doesn't want to fight with his mom for you. It's like typical Indian boy. The memes are so funny. They are hilarious. And we love to repost them. So please keep sending them. Please keep tagging us in them. But I want to hear Michael's thoughts specifically on what he thinks about how low the bar is set for Indian men in pop culture. You know, when whenever I was watching, not Never I Have a Hammer, what, what was the show with Seema Auntie? Oh, Indian matchmaking. Oh when I was God. watching Indian matchmaking, it was very clear that the spectrum of not not only men in general but specifically indian men is you you are either this playboy figure you know fuck boy type or you're on the very 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 opposite end of the spectrum and with that said there's definitely kind of these buckets that people fit in um not very much seen in the middle so would love to just kind of hear shreya uh, from your point of view as an Indian woman on what you think of that perspective there and what lies within the middle. Do we ever meet any of these men in the middle or is it truly just two ends of the spectrum and nothing in the middle? What's crazy is I think Ben is a perfect like example of what uh, somebody in the middle would be. Like I think Paxton is truly like F boy to the mags who changed, you know, but like he still at heart was like originally a full through and through F boy before he he started making that transition. But I think Ben at the core of who he is, is like a loyal boyfriend. He's like smart, funny, you know, whatever. Like he's, he has a heart, even though he pretends like he completely doesn't. So he's like, he wants his parental validation, you know, like from his dad, but at the same time when his dad's like, I'm proud of you, he takes it and he runs with it. And he, he tells baby, he's like, you know, even though you cheated on me, like I still loved you. Like there's like a lot of layers to Ben that make him like such a perfect character. And then there's Des who's like, if my mom told me tomorrow not to wear the color blue for the rest of my life, I really wouldn't wear it. And now you're like, oh, you funniest, the funniest thing that, uh, that Des ever said to Davey was, well, she pays for my phone bills. Yeah, he's like, well, she pays for my phone bills. And you're like, that's just what? Now, but let me ask you this. so true. The, yes. This is, this is the true question here. How would someone like Ben fare on Indian matchmaking with Seema Auntie? How would he fare in that situation? And or what do you think Seema Auntie. It's no. the way Seema Auntie thinks that she's like compromise, 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 right? And Ben is willing to like do what it takes to make like a situation work. At least like, you know, even he's literally took baby back after like she cheated on him and all that, right? So he's clearly like the level of compromise that he has is like somewhere there as long as he likes you. So she's just going to take complete advantage of that situation and pair Ben up with like who ever she wants and I'm like oh my gosh like I feel so bad sometimes because I feel like Ben just wouldn't Ben is he's mean but he's like he would be too nice on that show if like remember how he is ben, around Diggy's mother I ben feel like that's how one. he would be on Indian matchmaking you know I was I was all for team Des. I swear I was Me like too. I had a flag really in my hand for team Des, but then oh Des, you still let me down and there's the issue would be the one ruined it for all of us work on that show he'd be the one relationship to work on that show but probably the worst outcome out of all of them you'd like you know what michael you're gonna have fun next week because the fabulous lives of bollywood wives are coming <laughs> season two you are making me watch 
you're literally making, that. making, you're making watch me watch that? Real Housewives is what I'm hearing. Yes, Housewives of, of Bollywood. What is this? Sh- it's fabulous lives of Bollywood, Bollywood vibes. Season two. Stop it. <laughs> haven't you watched? We, we reviewed season one. We have. Scott, know, but- Scott was good. <laughs> okay. And with that bit, we want you guys to join us back next week so you can hear Michael's incredible review of the fabulous lives of Bollywood wives because what else would Michael realistically be watching on TV? You know, yeah, I, I could hardly sit through see my auntie, so I'm, I'm okay. gonna, you know, Michael is a Bollywood wife with a beautiful this life. Is super fun. I'm gonna cross my fingers that I don't, that, well, that I actually show up next week to review. <laughs> <laughs> Which the means if you guys want to wives, I can be scared Michael off the show. <laughs> <laughs> Which means if you guys want to know if Michael made it or not, you have to tune in next week. So thank you all so much for joining us on this week's Red, White, and Brown with Daisy's Out Live. We are Shri Amir and Michael, and be sure to tune back in next Saturday for more. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>